1: verse 14 through 30. That's what we're going to read. 16 verses today. A lot of reading today, uh, but we're going to jump into the Bible. We're going to dive into the scripture. Anybody like studying scripture, just kind of getting into it and seeing all the cool revelation that God gives? Um, Today's going to be a lot of that. We got a lot of reading, uh, but it's good reading, good reading. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to be reading from the English standard version, and so that might look a little different than your NIV, KJV, OPP, GOP, whoever you roll with. It might look a little different than that, but um, NYC, but, uh, but I'm going to read this one because it has a, a very particular uh, word that I'm looking for that I, that I need to share with you. It's actually a more authentic word. And so anyway, verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Thank you for the shout out Jesus, shouting out our church like that 2,000 years before we ever even came into existence. We'll be like a man going on a journey, church, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. We need to take a second here, really, just to define what the word talent is. It is a complete English coincidence that the word talent in the scriptures sounds a lot like our word talent, like if someone is singing, you think that they're talented. It is not the same word. It's not what that means. And so before we continue, just really quickly, the definition of the word talent, it was It was used in a reference to the value of currency. It was how you measured currency. See, they didn't measure currency in ancient times the way that we measure currency today. We measure currency in numbers, right? So you have one piece of paper that says one, and how much money is that one worth? One, And we have another piece of paper that says 100. And just because it says 100 on it, now it's worth 100. That's how we measure currency today, by the number printed on the paper. Back in biblical times or in ancient times, they measured by weight by the weight of silver or the weight of gold. We see examples of that even in today's modern world. If you were to go to the United Kingdom, to UK, to Britain, and you were to get a one, you wouldn't get one dollar. You would get a one on a piece of paper, but that piece of paper would be called, if anybody's familiar, a pound, one pound. Why is it called a pound? Because when they first established the UK a system for currency, it was it was, it was equivalent to one pound of silver. And so it was called one pound. So this is very much like that. The system that they have going on today is very much like that. And so when it says talent, it's actually referring to a measurement of weight. Okay, So a talent is a measurement of weight, which is a, in the reference, in the context of currency, of money, of value. All right, And so we'll pick up at verse 16. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. By the way, that's what we're all living for, if you're a Christian. It's the good and faithful servant from God our Father. We're not living for mansions. We're not living for cars. We're living for that. To look our Father in the eye, the master, and he says, hey, you did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can't wait to hear those words. You have been faithful over a little. Now I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. Just like the first guy, a 100% return on investment. I don't know if anybody's in the stocks here. That's a crazy return on investment. Average stock return, 8% year over year. If you would put your money in Wall Street, you get 8% on that, 100% if you can imagine that, 100%. Uh, His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But then the guy came who just received one talent. And he said, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have at least received what was my own plus interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless, the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them the title of today's message, which is don't hate your weight. I'm going to tell somebody, tell somebody don't hate your weight. There's a married person right now that's looking at another married person. Like, I want to, but I'm really encouraging them to get on a diet. So I, <laughs> don't be like that. Don't hate your way. You know, when I was younger, I was in Little League, Little League baseball to be exact. I know I don't look like much of an athlete. Stop judging me, okay? I was an excellent, excellent baseball athlete player, okay? And if you don't believe me, here is the photo evidence. Boom! What? Vasquez right there. Number four right there. I in mean nine. Number nine right there. and Playing for Bell Ambulance. That was the name of our sponsor. And holding the championship trophy. Thank you very much. I was good, man. I was really good. I could hit. I could steal. I could throw. I could catch. I was awesome. I was so good that one time my coach actually, when I hit, I came. It was an in the park home run. I came back to the dugout. He put another kid's jersey on me and sent me back out to hit again. I'm not even playing. I was that good. And I was so good, I just thought I was a natural because my dad had never put me in baseball. A lot of kids, they start young when they like in elementary. I started getting into baseball in sixth grade. Sixth grade, good. Seventh grade, good. Eighth grade, good. I was good until I wasn't good no more. One day I decided I'm gonna try out for my high school baseball team. Three-year all-star running New Springville, Little League, Staten Island, New York, come in. Do I even have to try out? <laughs> I got pictures. You know what I'm saying? I'll just show you photo evidence. Let me on the team, coach. Everybody's got to try out. All right, I'll try out. When you try out for high school sports, there are three squads you can qualify for. One is the varsity squad. Now, I'm a freshman, but if you're really good, you can skip JV and go straight to varsity. That's what I thought was going to happen to me. They were just going to be like, go free. Go pass. Go. Don't collect 200 I'll Just go. You go. You get varsity. If you're not so good, but you still can play, they put you on JV. If you got no glimmer of hope, they put you on the practice squad, which is like, you just go on the outfield and it just hit, like everybody's practicing hitting, you're throwing the ball back as what uh, your job is, okay? And if you're really, really, really not good, like you should not be playing, like they want to redirect your life in another direction, then you don't make either of those squads. I'm sad to say I didn't make varsity or JV or the practice squad. <laughs> On three, everybody say, oh, one, two, three. Aww. I know, right? Three-time all-star, new Springfield Little League champion. Hello. Turns out I was just a big fish in a small pond. And as the competition grew, I realized, and I, I thought I was a five-talent guy. By the way, in baseball, that's not even a biblical reference anymore. In baseball, if someone can do everything in baseball, they call him a five-talent player. Isn't that funny? Because they can hit for power. They can hit for average. They've got great fielding ability, speed, and they got arm strength. I thought I was a five 5'10 player. And when I started seeing other players who were much younger than me, much less experienced than me, who were much better than me, I started realizing I didn't receive as many talents as I thought. <laughs> and I was kind of sad, and I was kind of depressed. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I do know for sure that this guy who got one talent must have felt like that. Now, you got to give me some liberty, because what I'm going to do right now, it's not biblical. Everybody's like, I'm leaving right now. This is not, <laughs> let me just explain what I'm saying. I love to study the Bible. One of the things I love to do in the Bible is, like, imagine a backstory that allows me to deep dig deeper in the scriptures. So I can do it all the time. So, like, if Lazarus was in the tomb, sometimes I wonder, like, what was he doing in hell for three days? Like, what's the backstory there, you know? It's like, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot. The light, you know, I don't know. I just see things like that. I just imagine this is the backstory that I imagined that was happening right here. Okay? So this is not in the Bible, but this gives you some liberty. I imagine that these three servants, well there's a palace, because we know we have a master. The master must own a palace, because we know that he's wealthy. And all the servants are talking in the halls, in the chambers. They're talking. They're saying, hey guys, have you heard? The master's about to go on a journey. And he's going to divide all of his wealth and give it to three people. Who do you think it's going to be? It's going to be you. It's going to be you. It's going to be me. I know it might be me. All of a sudden, the names get released. They're on the board, you know, like at Hogwarts. Like you got the names on the board. He's like, I got picked. And here's that 10-talent guy. I got picked. The the two-talent guy. I got picked. The one-talent guy. I got picked. But he's not the one-talent guy yet. He's just the guy who got picked. And now he goes into the room, and the master's there, and he goes, you guys, going on a journey. I'm going to give you guys all of my wealth. I'm going to divide it. Are you ready? Yeah. That one-talent guy must feel so special. He got picked. He got chosen. And so, so the master starts dividing his wealth out, and he gives, he gives five talents to the five-talent guy. The one-talent guy, he's over here thinking, five for that guy. I work twice as hard as that guy. I'm getting 10. I know that. Can't wait for the master to divide me. I'm getting 10.
0: Woo-wee, got so five.
1: Then he goes to the guy who got two, and the master gives him two. And the one-talent guy is not looking. He's like, I don't like the progression. I don't like the way this generosity progression, but maybe he's saving the best for last. Amen. I see what you're doing, master. All right, go ahead. I'm ready. Give me what you got. I know I'm special. You saved me for last. You gave that guy five, that guy two. I'll take my 20. I'll take it my 20, okay? I'll take it in ones and fives, all right? I'll take my, my 20. And the master gives him one. And you have to imagine for a second the disillusionment running in that man's mind. A second ago, he thought he was special. And now he wonders if he is. And I think something happened in him because he was a good guy. He wouldn't have been chosen if he wasn't a good guy. But something changed in him when he was given one talent. And I I think it's that he, he allowed the emptiness of his hands to translate into an emptiness in his soul. I think he let his external wealth determine his self worth. Can you relate? Maybe you don't have a lot in your hands right now. And because you don't have a lot in your hands, you start to wonder what's in your heart. And when I'm talking about wealth now, I don't just mean money wealth. I mean all different types of wealth. I mean the dream home, anything that gives you worth. The dream home, the dream car, the dream marriage, the dream children. Amen. Because the children we have, we're not the children we were dreaming of having, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) This was not my dream. (laughs) <laughs> I dreamed of this. It wasn't in it. Um, dream children. Maybe it's, maybe it's the talents, like the literal talents. Like You don't have all the talents that, that give people worth. You don't have all the friends. You don't have the popularity. And you're starting to look what's in your hands, the emptiness that's in your hands. And you're starting to wonder if you got anything on the inside. And here's what happens, and what I think happens to most of us, is when we start to feel empty, and we start to feel like we got gypped, and we start to wonder what we have, we begin to make assumptions about the world around us, starting with the master. If I'm that one-serving guy, I'm already making assumptions about the master. I'm assuming, man, he must not trust me. He must not trust me because he only gave me one. And he probably doesn't trust me because I made a mistake back one time in the past, and he's still holding it against me. I think there are people here today who are looking at the condition that you're at in life today, and you're saying, I'm here because I made a bad choice years ago, and God still hasn't forgiven me for this, and he's still holding this against me, and that's why I don't have anything, because the master doesn't trust me. Or maybe the master doesn't believe in me. That's why he didn't give it to me. It's not because I have problems. It's because I have no potential. He looks at me and he sees nothing. And then when you think he doesn't trust you and you think he doesn't believe you, guess what the next logical conclusion is? He must not love me. You start to assume that the master doesn't trust us, that he doesn't believe in us, that the master doesn't love us. After we start making assumptions about God, we start making assumptions about others. How come they got that much? They must be smarter. They must be stronger. They must pray more. They must worship more. They must be holier. You ever see somebody at church who, is, who is, loves God just as much as you love God, but they're doing like 10 times better in life? You're like, tell me about your prayer life. How do you worship? Was it one hand down, one hand up? I'm just do what you do. Just all right. Nope, still broke. You know, like it's, we start looking at other people, making assumptions. Well, they must be doing something I'm not because their life's going way better. And then finally, when we stop making assumptions about God and we stop making assumptions about others, we're left to make assumptions about ourselves. And we say things like, well, I must not have what it takes then. That's what it is. I just don't have what it takes and I'm going to fail. I will fail and I'm a failure. And then it makes sense why he buries the money. It makes sense because if you think that you're going to fail, if you think that your outcome is already predestined, it's already predetermined, then why even try to get a return on your investment? If you're already certain about how all this is going to end up, it's no wonder why he buried it because he allowed that, that, thought, that, that thought of that line of thinking to get him to a place where he goes, well, there's no point. I just don't have what it takes. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to make it. In his mind, he must be thinking, wow, even if I can get a 100% return on my one, that only brings me to two. And two is what the other guy started with. And he loses in life. Please grab this. Grab this. He loses in life when he makes life a competition. When he looks at what the other guy has and he says, man, I'm just even if I double what I have, I'm only going to have him. Can I tell you something? I'm very, and you need to hear this from a very competitive person. Like I am uber, super duper competitive. My kids don't like to play board games with me. I'm that competitive, okay? I don't play games because life don't play games. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's trouble, spades, uno. I'm giving them all I got. I told the staff one time, we started playing this game called Spicy Uno. I was like, you yeah, I don't want me to play. If I play Spicy Uno with y'all, you're going to lose respect for me. I don't want to be your pastor. And then we started playing spicy food, and I was like, boom, you're out. You know? They're like, sorry. I was like, you're out. Get out of my house. You're out. You know, just, I'm very aggressive, very competitive. But listen, from a competitive person, just hear my words. Life is not a competition because you've already won. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and gave his life for humanity, the battle was over. You already won. You don't have to return double on on, on what God's given you. You already win. The only way you lose is by burying your life. Doing what the man did. The master even said, I don't need double back. He said, you could have put it in a bank and given me just the interest on the money in the bank and I would have been happy. Do you know what the historical interest rates are on bank deposits? Less than 1%. 0.3 sometimes, 0.9 sometimes, God says you could have came back with 0.3 and I still would have been pleased because it's not about having more than what this guy has. It's about doing something with what I've given you. Just something, just something. And so let me tell you, you might not be given a lot, but do not despise your prize because you know what? You've been given a lot more than you think. Do not despise your pride. So what if, if life is not the life that you thought it would be? So what if you don't have the home that you thought you'd have or the kids that you thought you'd have or the spouse that you thought you have? You were chosen. You were picked. You could have been like any one of those other servants, still walking in the back, still being in the background. But God called you by name, picked you by name, chose you by name, and brought you up to his throne room to bestow on you gifts and blessings. Come on now. Come on now. He loves you. He gave you blessings. Don't despise it. Don't hate your weight. Why? Number one, if you're taking notes, because you weigh more than you know. (laughs) Look at your neighbor. (laughs) Look at your neighbor right now. Look at your neighbor right now. It's okay. It's the only time you can get away with it under the biblical pretense. Okay. Look at your neighbor right now and tell them you weigh more than you know. His boyfriend had just apologized to his girlfriend. I saw it. He said, You weigh more than you know. He made me say it. I don't mean that. You weigh more than you know. Here's my question Honest question. What if you're a one talent guy or girl? Like, what if you're a one talent person? Like, what if you've been through multiple divorces or you're handicapped? or disabled, or you're too young, or too old. Like, what if you're one-talent person? What if you have Jesus, but, like, that's all you got? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you got Jesus, but you can't sing a lick, but you got Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if you got Jesus, but you can't dance? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if you got Jesus, but you can't communicate publicly? Like, what if you got Jesus, but you got no fashion sense, and you're ugly? Like, what if? (laughs) And no sense of humor. Like, you got nothing going for you. Like, I just want to know, what if you got one talent? Well, if that's you, you're probably thinking, well, don't I have none then? In that case, don't I have none? No, because in the parable of the servants, one got five, one got two, and one got one, but none got none. No one gets none. But... You might have just one. <laughs> you might have just one talent. You're probably sitting there thinking, "Yes, that's me. I just got one talent. That's all I got." Well, I want to encourage you today. Ready? Here's how I'm going to encourage you. You got one talent, and I don't feel bad for you whatsoever. <laughs> Let's pray, <laughs> dear Jesus. <laughs> somebody be like, I don't know what that was about. I, one talent. I shoot myself. I just one talent and one talent. I used to feel bad for this guy all the time. Every time I read that story, I felt bad for that guy until I realized how much a talent is actually worth. Uh, True story. Listen, I lived in Costa Rica for two months. We went there on missions trips. We also went there to learn Spanish because, like I've said multiple times, we are only Spanish by last name. And so we went there to learn Spanish and grow. And we love the country. It's a very beautiful country. When we got there, we got some tips. One of the tips that we got from, the, from our guide, he said, Hey, when you get to the airport, I said, Should we rent a car? He said, No, don't rent a car. Um, I said, Well, should we get a GPS? He said, No, GPS is a scam. I'm like, How can GPS be a scam? It's a big sign right here in the airport. Like, GPS works. It's not a scam. It's not a myth. I've used it. And he's like, No, but in Costa Rica, it doesn't work. I said, How come? He said, Because there's no street names or street numbers. I'm like, what do you mean there's no street names or street numbers? He goes, yeah. I said, well, how do you get around? He goes, follow me. He gets in his car, he takes me to my address. He says, this is where you live. I said, I said, what's the address? He said, two kilometers southeast of San Pedro Mall. (laughs) I was like, excuse me? He's like, yes, you live two kilometers southeast of San Pedro Mall. I was like, but what if I need mail? What do I tell the mailman? Where do my parents send the mail to? They send it to two kilometers southeast of San Pedro Mall. I'm like, no way. How does this even work? But yo, it works, y'all. Like the mail got to me. <laughs> my thought, my theory is, you know how when your room's a mess, but you're the only one who can find anything? And then when people put things away, you're like, you messed it up. Like, that's how the directors are in Costa Rica. They can get anywhere. If you're from Costa Rica, props to you. with respect, I'm not demeaning you. You're amazing. But if it's your first time there, you better start measuring, okay? And, And and the reason I bring that up is because that's very much how how distance and measurement worked back in the biblical times. It was very practical. So like, and we do that even today, you know, like 12 inches is what? A foot. That's right. Because that's about, so I remember working with my dad in a job one time, and he's like, I'm like, dad, we got to measure the size of this room. And he's like, I'm like, we don't have a tape measure. And he's like, oh, that's no problem. One, two, three. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm measuring the feet. I'm like, that doesn't seem scientific. That doesn't seem accurate he goes no it's about it's about a foot it's about a foot that's how they measured things back in the day and so um so if like they would do it like in arm length so they're like oh that house is about 200 arm lengths from from this uh landmark um they would do that with weight uh how how much um material do i need to build a house oh about a donkey's worth um that's actually where we get the term buttload from i swear i'm not kidding you not now you know we get it because a donkey could hold. That's not even a joke. Google it. Okay, that's what it would go, and so and that's how we get that. Or they would say, "How far is uh, Rome from this city?" And they would say, "Oh, it's about a three days journey." You get what I'm saying? And so they would use very, pra- which is good because it kind of makes sense, but it's problem because it's not standardized, right? So an arm length. Okay, we all have different size arms. What does that mean? You know, a, a donkey's load worth. Okay, but your donkey might be stronger than my donkey. What that mean? you know what I'm saying? Or a foot. Okay, what if your foot's bigger than mine or smaller than mine? And so, and so how, and that's a problem. And that's why, by the way, if you ever hear a preacher say, oh, this is how much this, this translates into measurement in the Bible. It's not accurate. It's the best guess because it it was all a range about how much a person could reach or when it comes to talent, this is what we do know that a talent was measured, was weighed by how much a person could physically carry. Okay how much a person could physically carry, which is anywhere from 75 to 125 pounds. 75 to 129 to 125 pounds. That's how much a talent weighed. 75 to 125 pounds. Oh, yeah. Of gold. Let me go ahead and break that down for you. Last I checked, the price of gold was $1,259.20 per ounce. I checked on Thursday. Okay? There are 16 ounces in a pound. That is $20,147.20 in a pound of gold. Now we multiply that by 125. $2,518,400. I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling bad. For nobody that just became a multimillionaire overnight. He wasn't given one talent, he was given two million and a half dollars. We're supposed to feel bad for him. That's not like feeling bad for somebody who won the lottery. Some guy wins the lottery and then you guys, you know, throw a part. Hey, I'm so sorry, man. Sorry, man. Why, why, why are you sad? Man, you won the lottery. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but. You only won it once. (laughs) So what if you only won it once? When it's the lottery, (laughs) one is enough. One is enough. Listen, if I were to take 10 $1 bills and put it here into my son, who's four, and I would take 10 $1 bills and put one $100 bill on this side, and 10 $1 bills, and I would say, son, pick whichever one you think is more. What do you think is going to grab He's going to grab the 10 $1 bills, right? Because they look like more. Why? Because kids learn to count before they learn to weigh. And you messed up because you've been counting your blessings, and you're upset because you can't count more. But you don't count your blessings. You weigh them. You weigh them. Because sometimes one is enough. Or better one time sometimes one is more than enough. How many stones did it take David to kill Goliath? One. Why? Because that stone had weight. How many jawbones did it take Samson to kill a 1,000 Philistines who were attacking him? It's not a trick question. If you're guessing, you know where I'm going with this. One. Why? Because that one had weight. How many men had to die on a cross to save all of humanity from hell? One. Why? Because that man had weight. He had weight to his life. Listen, you might not have a lot, but you have weight. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. You might not have a lot, but you have weight. Come on, if you're a spiritual fatty in the house, give God some praise. You got weight. You might not have all the houses you want. You might not have all the cars you want. You might not have all the friends you want, all the followers you want, but you got weight. You got Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, do you know what the other New Testament word for weight is? Glory. When we say the glory of God, that literally translates into the weight of God. Because when God gets on you, the scales are automatically tipped in your favor. Because you got weight when God comes on your life. You got weight. That's why I win. Why? Because the scales are tipped in my favor. Because I got God's glory. I got weight on me. That's what Joshua chapter 23 says. Put the scripture up real quick. Joshua chapter 23 verse 10. One man. Say it with me. How many men? One. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you. As he promised you. You know what God is saying? You might just be one. But when I'm the one that you have, I'm the one that you need. I'm the one that can give you the victory. I'm the one that can get you free. I'm the one that can get you there. I'm the one who keeps the promise. You might not be able to count all my blessings, but boy, if you could weigh them, you could weigh them. I've been reading this passage my whole life, and I never once saw that. You know why? Because I I never bothered to weigh it because I was too busy feeling sorry for him. Because I was comparing what he had to another person. You know, sometimes you read stuff in the Bible straight up as a preacher that you struggle with. Because you don't agree, but you know that God's God and he's right and you're wrong. So you just got to figure out what you're wrong about and then just preach it like you believe it. Because I know the Bible's not wrong. And I always just get caught up in this passage because I'm like, God, I'm sorry. It's just a little messed up. Why don't you give that one five and that one five and that one five? Because he's the God of all the riches and the glory, right? It wasn't that he, didn't, he ran out of money. Why didn't he go? And I said, God, you know, you're kind of inconsistent. I, but I, I prayed these things to the Lord in private. Like, I would never preach it. I just did. But and <laughs> I was like, God, you have a tendency to be a little inconsistent. He said, back to me, he said, I think I'm pretty consistent. So what do you mean? This is just a conversation I'm having in my heart. He goes, well, I took three servants and made three multimillionaires out of three servants. That guy didn't have nothing. Now he has two and a half million dollars. That guy has a bunch of million dollars. That guy's got a bunch. Seems pretty consistent to me. I, make, I'm, I, make, I take the weak and I make him strong. So, what if that one's stronger than that one? I made him strong. I said, well, then what's the problem? The problem isn't God's tendency to be inconsistent, the problem is our tendency to compare. Comparison will always devalue the gift that God gave you, always. It will always devalue it. Listen to me, don't count their blessings. Weigh yours. Weigh yours. We measure differently. Spiritual maturity doesn't just count. We weigh. We measure differently. We measure differently. It's my final point I want to encourage y'all with. You can do more about it than you think. You can do more about it than you think. You weigh more than you think, and you can do more about it than you think. You know, since launching the church, one of the hardest. Things for me to wrestle with as a pastor has been the idea of what kind of a pastor am I? Am I a five-talent pastor or a one-talent pastor? And I got to be honest, some Sundays I feel like a five-talent pastor. And other Sundays, I feel like a one-talent pastor. Funny thing though, I never feel like a two two-talent, two-talent pastor. Isn't that, right? You're either awesome in your mind or you suck in your mind. No, nobody's ever mediocre in their mind. They're either great or horrible. Zero to hundred. And, and after I would feel that way, the worst part about that thought was then, well, then what does that mean for the ministry? What does that mean for journey? Because if I'm one-talent guy, and this is the extent of my, does that mean that I begin to now settle, settle. You know, we, we gave without exaggerating. We're only in July. We've given easily over $30,000 to missions. Definitely more. I just don't want to exaggerate. $30,000 to missions. By the way, that's a great time to hand clap because that's you. That's y'all giving generous $30,000 to missions globally, nationally, locally, Children initiatives, building hope centers in different countries, digging wells. $30,000. But you know my dream, I've shared it once before. It's probably the second time I'll share it from the front. Is to one day give away a million dollars to build schools and hospitals. Wouldn't that be cool? Change the world from our little part of Orlando. I'd love that. In Jesus' name. Um, But am I a one-talent guy? Because if I'm a one-talent guy, then is this the limit? Because I used to be like, well, he's just a one-talent guy. She's just a one-talent guy. Can't be upset if they're not producing what they haven't been given. I'm a one-talent guy. I just got to resign my one-talent guy. I love the fact that we're reaching 500 people on a weekly basis. I just want to know, is that the limit then? I love the fact that we have a church in Winter Park. But what if we started a church in San Diego too? Or is this the limit? And am I wrong for wanting? Don't get me wrong. There is, a, there is a measure of comfort that comes in knowing that you have everything that you need. Amen? Because we say that in church all the time, don't we? You got Jesus, you got everything that you need. I just preached it 20 seconds ago. Here's my question, and don't judge me. For, please don't judge me for being authentic. But what if I want more? Does that make me a bad person? I know you got all that you need. I know that you know you got all that you need. But if you want more,
0: does
1: that make you a better person? For wanting more? Or am I supposed to be happy with what I've got and not want? Because we, you know who we say this a lot to? Single people in church all the time. We tell single people this. If there's any pastors watching this online, we need to get single people to break. We tell them, if you got Jesus, he's the only lover you need. Shama. He's the one. Jesus is the only lover you need. He's all you need. And if I was single, I'd be like, yeah, amen. That's cool. Uh, but it's just that, oh, is Jesus not enough for you? No, he is. I love Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Well, it sounded like you are about to complain. No, I mean, I'm grateful that he died on the cross. He's beautiful. He's awesome. I just, is it bad if I want? Is it, is it bad if I'm tired of being the single rider on the roller coaster? You know what I'm talking about? You know the, the guy's there at the end, he's like one rider, one rider. Is there any one rider? Is there anybody who has no friends or anybody who nobody loves here at Walt Disney, the happiest place? I- you came here alone. Anybody here dying alone? <laughs> and, and nobody's ever excited to get the front of the line. They're like, On the roller coaster. Just, is it bad? I'm asking, to want more. Some businessmen are like that. Some of you guys are entrepreneurs running businesses and your businesses are paying the bills. Amen. Is it bad to want more? Maybe you want to take it to the next level? I asked the Lord this question in reading this passage. Because I I love what Journey Church is doing. Dude, we are, it's crazy the fastest growing churches in america i love it but what if you want more i asked them and I, and, and I got the answer to the question in the scripture and i'll show it to you in a second but it came not when i asked how do why did i get one it came when i asked a different question how did he get five and i know we're running late on time but I'll, I'll try to hit this as quick as i can matthew twenty-five, fifteen: to one he gave five talents to another two to another one, to each according to his own ability. Ability, to each according to his ability, that's the secret, y'all, that's the key. See, God gave them the talent, but they came with the ability. Are you following me? What is ability? Ability translated in the Greek is dynamis. It means physical strength, which makes sense, why? Because remember, a talent is measured by how much a person can what? In the, in the recipe of blessing, there are two ingredients I find, grace and ability. Grace comes from God, but guess where ability comes from? So I can't, I can't affect God's grace. It's already there. It's already over. But here's what I can do. Develop my ability. I might start with one talent, but the reason why he gave me one talent was because I had an ability to be able to hold one talent. But if I want to carry more, I just got to develop more. There's hope for you. Anybody here today who felt like a one-talent person, felt like a one-talent parent, you want to be a better parent, buy some parenting books, join a parenting small group, ask parenting advice, develop your ability, and God will increase his grace. You want to get better at your business, join some type of uh, the chamber of commerce, read some books on entrepreneurship, pray, come to church, God will increase his grace as you increase your strength. your marriage is in trouble, go to counseling, read some marriage books, join a small group, pray, God will increase. increase his blessings as you develop your ability. As you increase your strength, now you have hope. Oh, and by the way, why is he withholding it? Because he's mean? No, because he's merciful. You know what the exact definition of talent is? I told you it's defined by how much a man can carry. But you know what the literal translation of it is? Balance. Because it's defined by how much a man can carry until he loses his balance and falls over. You know why God hasn't given you more blessing than you can handle? Do you know what the number one Bible verse is memorized in in all of America? They ask people. The number one Bible verse memorized in all of America, God will never give you more trouble than you can handle. There's only one problem with that. It's not in the Bible. It's not even a Bible verse, y'all. The number one Bible verse memorized in all of America is not even a Bible verse. God will always give you more trouble than you can handle. It's how he creates dependency in your life. But you know what he will never give you more than you can handle? Blessing. never give you more blessing than you can handle because if the blessing is too good, it's too big, and you don't have the character and the strength to sustain it, the blessing will cause you to fall over and disconnect from God. He's keeping the blessing from you until you can develop the strength, the character, the integrity to withstand it. Then when you do, he gives it to you. Here are four positive affirmations and then we'll close. Matter of fact, stand to your feet. Here are four things that I have promise to tell myself when I wake up in the morning, and I want you to tell them to yourself when you wake up, take a 30-day challenge with me. These are four things I'm telling myself when I wake up every morning. Now, here it is. Number one, to get my mind right, because I struggle with this. One, God has already given me more than I deserve. Two, I already have more than I need. Three, as I grow even more, God will give even more. And four, so that I can give back more than I've been given. Don't forget about that return on investment. We put it up there so you can take a picture of it. Here's why I challenge you. Every morning you wake up for the next, just try seven days. I would say 30, but just try seven. Before you get out of bed, pull up your phone, look at that, say those things and get your mind right. Because oftentimes we start our day in a deficit because we are the one talent guy. Not knowing that we really received two and a half million dollars worth of blessing. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, there's people here today who are struggling because they don't have as much as they thought they'd have at this season of their life. They thought they'd know more people. They thought they'd be more successful. They thought they'd have more friends. They thought they'd have nicer homes and cars. They thought, they thought, they thought, thought, Lord, that you gave them one talent and that it wasn't enough. But I pray if anything was communicated today, let it be communicated that you gave them way more than they need and that you're not done. As they develop the discipline, you're going to increase even more so over their life
0: so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.